Well, I reckon this young lady from South Africa would be very excited uh, at the moment because she's, it's about to, her whole world is changing because she's heading over to the United Arab Emirates very soon to link up with Michael Costa. And of course, we've chatted a lot about Michael, particularly in recent weeks when James Allman was over there riding for Michael and he rode up a storm and Michael's flying. He's actually leading the premiership at the moment in the UAE. He's had 37 runners this season for 12 winners, Michael Costa. And a couple of his recent winners, I know these names won't mean much to you, but a horse called Thorben, it won a two, it's won two from three. It's by Good Magic. Another one called Mersal, it's won three from six. Another recent winner was Bill Hale, a two from seven, it's by Shamadal. And of course, we know the owner, the Sheikh, of course, the, the same colours carried by a day, uh, Michael's principal owner there. But Joe Taylor is joining us now. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Now, you've been a part of the Chris Wallace stable as a travelling, would we call you an assistant trainer, travelling foreman? Yes, I believe that would be, that would be fairly accurate. Yeah, and how long have you worked with Chris Waller? Um, so I've been with Chris for 12 years. Um, it's the only man I've ever worked for in Australia. So, um, yeah, it um, was a very big decision, but um, I think it's the right one at the right time for me. Yeah, well, talk about Michael and how that came about and you're heading to the UAE. Just back to Chris, how did that come about? You are born in South Africa and work with, of course, a, a gun trainer over there, Charles Laird. Yes, yeah, so fortunate to um, get some good experience under a phenomenal horseman in um, Charles Laird back in South Africa and came about Chris with one of the assistant trainers that I worked alongside in South Africa at the time, came over to work for Chris here, um, a gentleman named Peter Musket. And um, he was here for a few months and I was looking to leave South Africa but hadn't quite decided which direction I was going in and whether I was even gonna stay in horse racing. Um, and Peter reached out and asked if I would be interested in coming to Australia and um, Chris sponsored my visa and I just came over as a track rider to start with and then worked my way up, became his travelling foreman, um, did that for four years, three years, four years, um, was very fortunate to travel across Australia before we had all the satellite stables and also ventured to Royal Ascot with Brazen Bow, was fortunate enough to head to Hong Kong, um, and then settled in Melbourne permanently in uh, winter of 2016. And um, yeah, then just based myself here since then. So, um, and we've certainly been fortunate enough to enjoy a lot of success together. It's a huge amount of responsibility for such a boutique operation, isn't it? A massive operation. Yes, absolutely. But um, anyone that, that knows Chris or has seen his systems or see how he operates, um, you know, he's so meticulous. He's a man that dots every I, crosses every T. And even though you might be anywhere in the world um, tending to his horse's He's always got the finger on the pulse and um, he's just such a fantastic leader. He's always there to guide you and continue um, to help you come along, but at the same time trusts you uh, with his horses. And um, 
really empowers you uh, to keep growing and, and just keep going from strength to strength. But obviously, give yourself some credit. You know, obviously he focused, you know, he realised that you had an enormous potential and an amazing work ethic and the fact that you, you could jump on the horses as well. Yes, no, I, um, I'm definitely very appreciative of um, the opportunities he gave me. And when he did, I, I try to capitalise as much as I, I could and always honest with my opinions with him. And Do you ever I disagree think, much? I, I, I think a lot of times he might not have liked it, um, <laughs> but there wouldn't be a disagreement as such. But he would always take what you said on board with... Uh, he implemented suggestions you made immediately or not. Um, you always know he knew he took it into consideration and he was never dismissive. So I think he was a man that was always, that, or still is, always willing to try new things. And, um, you know, you never know where the next breakthrough could come, especially when we're working with racehorses. They're individuals in themselves. So not every routine works the same for every horse, as is the same with, any elite athlete that you work with will tell you something that works for one athlete or 10 athletes might not work for the 11th and 12th athlete. So I think we've always got to be very considerate of the individual as well, and, and that's how we try to treat all our horses. Yeah, I think it's great that you've got, we've got an open mind. I think most successful people in life would have an open mind. So you were talking about you know, things that you may have disagreed with. I suppose you're riding the horse's work, but we're talking about gear or backing off work, more work, um, you know, races, that sort of stuff. Just Oh, yeah, I think it was just um, like all sorts of things, like you just mentioned. It would be maybe gear or, like you said, um, sometimes work. Um, if I feel it needed more and he wanted less or but ultimately he always left it up to you he'd be like um, this is what I would think but ultimately you're looking at the horse so I'll leave it up to you um, so he was he was always good in, in that sense yeah. um, and like I said but then also when it goes the wrong way I think it's important to to own it to be like okay well that didn't work um, so I'm sorry about that, but he'd be the first person to then support you and say, no, it's okay. Well, now at least we've learned something and we know it doesn't work, so we won't do that again. Yeah. Um, so always try and take the lessons out of the failures as well. Um, and like we said, always just try to improve, try and get that little 1% extra um, and just get the best out of our horses. And Joe, how much in a given week, how much would you liaise with Chris uh, and how many horses were you looking after when you were running the Melbourne barn? Um, so in Melbourne, capacity was 44. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be full all year round um, and especially now with the addition of Macedon Lodge, which is, which is another 22 boxes. We certainly weren't full at Flemington all the time. Um, but before Macedon, we, we try to keep it at about 40. Um, and then, look, there's emails every day to Chris, um, back and forth, and just keeping him up to date um, at the end of every morning and the end of every afternoon shift so that he knows all is in order or if there are problems and to bring it to his attention, um, but deal with it as we needed to. And then we have a weekly uh, FaceTime call which is um, my slot was always at 7.55 on a Thursday morning. Um, and then we would go through and have a look at every horse individually and just have a quick little 
um, chat about each horse, just make sure we're all on the same page or where we want to go next with each horse and then move forward from there. His mind just must be ticking over all the time. I mean, you work with Very Elegant, you work with Wings, you mentioned Brazen Bow. Of all the horses you rode work, what was the one that you really loved the most, so to speak? may not have been the best, but which is the one that you absolutely fell in love with all your time with Chris, Joe? Oh, there are so many, but I think the main one, and it was the reason I, he was the reason I actually stayed in Australia. I certainly just, didn't, didn't hit the ground running when I first arrived. What's it was a it, why very is that? big what culture do you mean? shock for me. Okay. It was, yeah, it was a big shock to the system for me. Um, you know, an Afrikaans girl from a very small town in South Africa um, coming to the big lights. It was a um, big adjustment. So for me, a horse called Shootout, um, he actually arrived in the stable to Chris not too long after I arrived there, um, just a couple of weeks. And I was fortunate enough to sit on him from the second morning um, and rode all his work when when he came to Chris. So that was a horse that was very special to me. I led him up as well. Um, so that was the first one that really crept into my heart. And like I said, would, is the reason that I stayed in Australia. I'd say if it, if it wasn't for the relationship I formed with that horse in the early early weeks, of my time in Australia, I would definitely not still be here. What do you think you would be doing then if that was the case, if there was no shootout? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Yeah. Sliding um, doors there moment. Were, there, 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 were, there were, before I even came to Australia, there were thoughts of going to America to go and study, um, of getting out of racing completely. But it was a show jumper as well. So I've always wanted to... Um, when I was young, wanted to have a go with the at the international circuit, um, so that was something I would have thought about. But um, look, at the time I wasn't thinking clear enough to think of what's next. I just knew that it wasn't this, <laughs> um, which is what happens when you make emotional decisions. And um, I'm really glad I didn't. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I stuck it out and and made sure um, that I just made it work. What a fascinating story. There's a lot of Queensland interest in Shootout because he started at the Gold Coast with a guy called John Wallace, and he was owned by Queenslanders, uh, the Huddy family, of course. And um, I remember when he went to Chris, I think he, he won a group one, his third start. This is back in 2012, third, for, third yes. run for Chris, the Chipping Norton Chipping State. Chipping Norton, yeah. yes. Yes. And no, why did so you love him so much, Joe? Why? Um... He was a bit. Oh, he was a bit of a miserable old man, if you can call like him that, me. when he arrived at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, he came with. I obviously hadn't been in Australia for long. For long, didn't really know any of the horses. Didn't know the style of racing. But he'd come with a a bit of a reputation of um, being a difficult horse um, to manage a track work and. Um, we got told stories about how he was always just um, galloped on the treadmill because he pulled so hard and, you know, like just came with a reputation and I don't know, I couldn't understand it. I rode him on day one. We made a couple, I made a couple of just gear changes um, from the first day and, and then just, uh, we just understood each other, I felt. And um, he was just the most beautiful lovely moving horse he was a big striding animal and um 
even though he used to give you those grumpy ears and try and show you his teeth over the door when you walked past, once you actually got in the stable and just gave him the time to come to you, um, he just turned into the most loving, generous animal and um, was just a, one of the easiest horses to ride track work that I'd ever sat on. Um, he knew his job. He just did it every day. Um, and he was just so willing to learn. And um, he was one of the first horses that we introduced when Chris introduced dressage work into our training regime, which we see now that he does a lot of and, and things like that. But Shootout was also the horse that started that. So I was fortunate enough that Chris trusted me in um, trying something new in a training methodology which he didn't have much experience with. And um, that was something we just found Shootout was... Um, he had a history of back problems. He was quite weak through his hindquarters. And um, I explained to Chris what I think the benefits would be and how the work would um, would evolve. And it's just something we would start off with once a week. And he was willing to give it a try and, and let me do that. And the result was shootout with three group ones over 18 months. Yeah, and over so, 3.2 million, 10 wins from 37 starts, of course, by High Chaparral. So what was involved with the dressage with him? Can you explain that? Just just putting him over some jumps and barrels and things? Is that what you well, mean? Or? We actually didn't jump him at all. Um, it was just about doing strengthening work through his flat work. So um, really working on circles, on figure eight. Um, so just the, the basic strengthening training that you do um, with young horses, um, well, in all disciplines, really, um, just teaching them to carry themselves a bit better, um, to really engage their glutes, their hamstrings. Um, it engages their core. So it just strengthens up and teaches them to actually really power through their hindquarter, um, which is something he was lacking when he came to us. Um, and Again, it's it's certainly not um, it's not the be all and end all. It's not the only thing, like, but it is something that you can incorporate in their work, and it's not something that happens overnight either. So even though we started it early, I think we only really saw um, the the fruit of it by that second and third preparation when he came in, and he came in as a much stronger, well-rounded horse. Um, especially later on in his career. Um, so, yeah, it was just um, something different and it certainly worked with him. And then it is a practice that we have continued um, with many horses now over the years. Yeah. And how fast do you go when you're doing that? Just it's I, I never got out of a trot. Okay. It's a walk and trot work only. Yeah. So it's a really slow, collected trot. Um, so they actually got to work really hard to um, generate a lot of energy uh, to engage the correct muscle groups, but not actually go at speed. So um, it was walk and trot only. And would it be on um, a sandy sort of surface or grass or? Uh, at the time, it was. Um, we didn't have an arena or anything at Rose Hill. Um, they've now been fortunate enough to build one for them. So it was just on the grass. Um, but you could do it on really any sort of 
um, flat surface, whether it be sand, whether it be synthetic, whether it be grass. Um, so it was just behind, it was behind the tower at Rose Hill. There was just an open piece of grass. Um, and that is where I started. What an interesting story. You may not realise we shoot out, like even as a young horse when John Wallace had him in Queensland, he won a maiden at the Cold Coast back in May 2009 for a guy called, uh, that's now retired, uh, rode him called Denny Griffin. He was the king of the Gold Coast for many seasons. And what was remarkable about him, after that maiden, and this is something that horses don't do unless they're special, he then went to Eagle Farm for the Group 2 Sires, one of our juvenile features during the carnival, and won that at just his second yeah. start. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah. No, he was some horse, and I mean, he ran everything through um, every distance and through all the way through to a Melbourne Cup. So um, he was just, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal horse and held an extremely special place in my heart. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely, Joe. Now, Michael Costa, how did, did you have a history with Michael when he was in Australia, or did this come out of the blue? Uh, no, not at all. So um, didn't really know him at all. Um we just got in contact, um, and uh, it was just a case of whether um, I would be willing to consider um, a move to the UAE or consider anything, really. Um, and, yeah, like a, a conversation just ensued, um, made a very good offer, um, and I just felt that the timing is right um, for me. Uh, I've, I absolutely love my time with Chris. Um, he has been, I can't even begin to explain how fantastic Chris has been to me and my career. Um, but I just felt I'm at a stage now where I've realized that I definitely enjoy traveling um, quite a lot. I just don't think I'm built to live my life in one place. Um, and that's the beauty of horse racing as well. Is it is such a global sport um, and it can be done anywhere. And Dubai has always piqued my interest. Uh, even before I came um, to Australia, it's just somewhere I've always wanted to go, even if it was just for an international meeting or, or something like that. So, um I mean, it was just, it was the right opportunity at the right time um, for where I am at right now. And um, sounds sounds very interesting. Um, and I'm so interested to learn. I think it's a completely different style of racing, style of training. Um, so I think it's just such a great opportunity to really learn, broaden the horizons again uh, and see where it could take me. And you'll get to rub shoulders with some famous people. Of course, uh, he's main owner, Sheikh El Maktoum. Yes. Yeah. Um, I believe he is a phenomenal man to, to work for. So um, I'm so interested. And it'll just be such an honour as well, um, being associated with names like that. Um, after, look, everyone that I've been fortunate enough to have been involved with and all of Chris's clients and owners um, who have always just been phenomenal and so supportive of me. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't want to start naming them. I don't think we've got enough time. <laughs> and, um, so I can't be 
um, thankful enough for, for all the opportunities that they've all presented me. But again, this is now a completely different ball game and, and something new and and an exciting ad adventure. Yeah, and so many good horses, as I said at the outset. I just want to clarify to that. This is a Sheikh Ahmed bin Rashid El Maktoum, Michael's yeah. main owner. So when do you leave, Joe? And this is a great time because the Dubai World Cup's only, you know, in March and there's some wonderful meetings at Maidan during that period. Yes. So I, um, I actually, I only leave for, I leave for South Africa in mid-December. I'm going to spend some time at home with the family for Christmas and New Year. And um, then I'll head to Dubai probably around mid-January. Um, and, yeah, like I say, just just before the main big carnivals kick off at Maidan, um, see what it's all about, get used to things, um, and then for next season really hit the ground running and, and take it from there. Gee, your resume is going to be read a real who's who. You know, Charles Laird and Chris Waller for so many years in such a, you know, a high response, um, you know, very responsible position. And then Michael Costa in the UAE. Uh, do you have ambitions of training in your own one day? Um, I have and then I haven't and then I have again. But at this stage, I'm quite pleased um, with the roles I've had. I've been... I feel if, if I didn't have them, I don't think I would have um, been fortunate enough to work with the horses that I have worked with. And ultimately, that is my passion. It's more the horse um, and what they're about and figuring them out and the athlete and, and how to get the best out of them. And um, the way I think training horses has evolved and in this day and age, um, I think the more you are a trainer, it's almost the less of the actual horse you see. Um, and it's more of the, the business part you've got to deal with. Um, I don't necessarily know if I'm completely cut out for that, um, as the, the horse is my passion and figuring them out and um, the actual training of them. So uh, I might one day, uh, but right now those are not... Um, my ambitions right now. Yeah. Just back to Charles Laird, and I was looking at his record this morning, you know, uh, and some of his group horses. Were you around when da Delago Deluxe was racing? Or Yes. Yeah. I sure was. I what a marvellous horse. Delago. I used to ride Delago Really? Deluxe. Yes. He was um, a beauty, so wasn't he? He ended up being, of course, stallion, but he wasn't a great success at stud, was he? No, it was um, quite disappointing, really. Um, he was he was a lovely horse, um, and it it definitely was disappointing that he didn't go on to be more successful um, at stud. Uh, I don't know if he may have been better served staying in South Africa. Um, so it's just interesting, and we all know how the the breeding industry works. If they don't strike, especially those unknown horses, um, that they don't really know their form and and understand that, um, you know, they can be a bit apprehensive. And if they then don't perform in the first couple of seasons, it's really hard um, to get them good mares. So, um, but yeah, I was, like I said, very fortunate to work with some top horses um, with Charles, and he was certainly one of them. Yeah.
And by the way, you know I'm very parochial when it comes to Queensland, but Delago <laughs> Deluxe was bought on the Gold Coast all those years ago. Half yes. a million dollars, magic millions. Yes, he was. Um, <laughs> and he's so from a mayor called Succeeding. It was raised by a Queensland family called Wendy and Peter Moran because Succeeding's mum, the dam of that horse, Delago, uh, is staging. who yes. was a top sprinter for the Moran family many years ago. Oh, that's interesting. There you go. Yeah, she's by Success Express. That, so that's, uh, always learn something new. <laughs> whatever you decide, you seem like that sort of person, Joe. Whatever you focus on, you go to be successful at. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's lovely to chat with you this morning. No, thank you very much. And thank you for your time. And um, like we said, it's, I've, I've had the greatest time in Australia. And it's certainly been the place I've called home now for the last 12 years. Um, and it's, Definitely sad to go, but at the same time, I'm just so excited for for what's next. Well, Joe Taylor, thank you for giving us so much of your time. Fascinating interview. And what was that horse again that changed your life a little bit? Sliding that doors. Thanks, Joe. Shootout moved up to Rangi Rangdool. It's shootout and Rangi Rangdool settling down to fight it out. The stablemates come away. Shootout on the outside gets to a narrow lead. Rangi Rangdool not to be denied, but shootout. Shootout beat Rangi Rangdool's secret admirer. Then all too.